Man, Pat Bev must be crying after the play-in again. The clock strikes 12 on OKC Cinderella story, and the clinic previews the official NBA playoff bracket. I'm Rosa Panda, this is Clinic, all NBA podcasts. I have the two hooligans with me. JJ, how you living, my friend? Woo, feeling good, feeling great. The playoffs are set. The road to glory starts now. Let's go get it. It definitely starts now. And welcome back, Sammy. How you living, my friend? I'm good, man. It's great to be back with you guys. Missed you guys. Excited for the playoffs. Looking forward to that monumental Clipper upset in round one. Ooh. Oh, man. I guess we'll have to see. We'll talk about it a little later. But first, we're going to talk about our play and recap. So first of all, the Hawks defeated the Heat 116 to 105 to, to secure the seventh seed in the East. And this is what I want to pause on a little bit. The Lakers defeated the T-Wolves 108 to 102 to secure the seventh seed in the West. This game was a lot closer than I thought it was going to be. What did you guys think as you were watching this game? You call it close. Call it a whatever, an exciting finish all you want. I'll call it what it was, and let's call it out. That was one of the worst played fourth quarters I have ever seen <laughs> in my life. I saw someone who said that the worst four teams should play for the top pick in something called the NBA Wayoffs, and that's what I felt like that that fourth quarter looked like. That was oh man, that was who horrendous, had, man. I'll give who had the credit. worst? Who had the worst fourth fourth quarter? Lakers, Wolves. Wolves. Oh, it has far. to be the Wolves. Yeah, right. Yeah, Jay, aren't you? I mean, what did they score? 12 points in the fourth, I think? Sammy, they were up two. And when we were watching that game and we were texting each other, it was just like no set plays. You saw Carl Anthony Towns do last minute shots. You saw um, a Anthony Edwards just like dribble, dribble, dribble. And Anthony Edwards just had the ugliest game. Yes. And yeah. People were like proclaiming him to be the next it, the net, the next guy, and not a good way to start um, your playoff hopes, especially for what I would consider a, a must win. Which it wasn't a must win, but you know, it was. Well, you could say it wasn't, but it still kind of was because it. Yeah. I mean, obviously, we know they won tonight, of course, and they're they're still in the playoffs. But you just cost yourself three days of rest. Yep. You got into what seems to be a much tougher matchup in round one with a center you're going to play against in Jokic who could completely absolutely just have his way with Gobert. And you just, you know, you kind of look at that game and the first half, the Wolves had such great movement on offense. The ball was moving around. Players were moving. We get to roughly the middle of the third and they just stopped. They stopped moving. They were very stagnant. And you look at other things, like Towns was amazing in that first half. I think he had close to 20 in the first half, if I recall. Yeah. And all of a sudden, he stopped playing aggressive. There were a couple times where the Lakers put Austin Reeves on him, which, respect to Austin Reeves, he had a hell of a season. If you're a cat, man, you got to pound that matchup. There's no way that you should not be getting down in the block and taking 20 shots in that scenario. And you look at how this ended. Prince shot the ball 11 times. Kyle Anderson shot at 14. Towns shot at 12 times. If yeah. you're the number one and number two in a do or die like this, and the presumed number one Edwards had a horrible night, like you said, three for seventeen, you got to be more aggressive than that. So the yeah, T that was the Wolves, I had there. the T Wolves should have won this game. Absolutely. The way that they were playing the first three quarters, it looked like they had it in hand. The part that I thought they messed up the most was actually with with coaching, like we were talking about earlier. No set plays, and Edwards just kind of dribbling the ball, nothing happening. But also. When they put Cat back in the game with four fouls, they put him in at the 10 minute mark. 
way too early in the fourth quarter way too early he picked up a foul route right away and he didn't have he didn't come back to like four minutes left in the game and i think that's the big reason why they lost but we're gonna move on the bulls ended up defeating the raptors 109 to 105 to advance in play and okc defeated the pelicans 123 to 118 to advance into the play-in. CJ McCollum had this to say after the Pelicans lost. They asked him what they need to do for next season. CJ said, we've got to be available. We've got to do what we need to do off the court in terms of preparation, in terms of getting treatment, in terms of getting the right sleep, the right hydration, and having the right type of diet. Everything has to matter to everyone, one through 15. Do you guys think this is kind of low-key shade? at his teammate here, Zion Williamson. Absolutely, that shade. Low-key? <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> no, man, like, the one main piece that was missing through this whole month of Pelican basketball trying to make it to the play-on was Zion was missing. And the optics, not good, especially if you have Zion doing pre-game dunks, gentlemen. Mm -hmm. yeah. And you have a hamstring injury. So I don't know what's going on in terms of their medical team, uh, what's Zion's status, but I mean, CJ kind of has a point. He's the veteran. He could call players out. I know Blazer fans, and I even read this on the Pelican uh, Reddit as well, that people were calling out CJ, though. Like, yeah. you kind of have the testicular fortitude to call your own teammates which you should but come on cj you had 14 points 5 of 15 shooting you had a turnover at the last minute of the game kind of reminds me of your portland days when dame goes for 37 and then turnover cj mccollum put on the blind <laughs> they get stefan come on yeah. come on stefan urkel but you know the the other thing about the optics that you mentioned I think Zion himself even had a quote that said, physically, I'm good. It's mentally that I'm not ready to go. And look, man, I I respect that if your head is not in the proper space mentally to compete at this level, then maybe you're more susceptible to get hurt or what have you. But if that's still a problem now, like if you're saying you're physically able to play and you're not, of course, your teammates are going to your your team. It's not a good look to them. It's always not going to be a good look to the public because end of the day, we're looking at like this dude just got a $40 million a year contract and he's saying he's physically ready to go, but he's still not playing. And the team basically said at that point, they don't think he's anywhere close to coming back. So I don't want to go down this road yet because I want Zion to play. He's electric when he's on the court. But man, this is starting to sound a little bit like Ben Simmons, ben Simmons last year. Baby. Yeah. And... <laughs> And I don't want to see that, man. Zion is just, he's must-watch TV when he's on and he's on his game. But now I think he's four years in, and I want to say he's played something in the area of 119 or 120 games. You, no. like, you guys want to know a crazy stat that their big three of Zion, Ingram, and McCollum have only played 10 games together, equivalent to 172 minutes, and KD, Chris Paul, and Devin Booker have almost the same amount of minutes. That's insane. Yeah. That's absolutely insane. And like, just like Ben Simmons, I mean, during this offseason, I wouldn't be surprised if you started to hear kind of trade rumors around Zion or people trying to get Zion 
away from this Pelican situation. We've already heard stories about how his family doesn't necessarily like New Orleans, etc. But let's move on to the next one. The Heat defeated the Bulls 102 to 91 to secure the eighth seed in the East. The drama around this one was DeMar DeRozan's daughter, DR. And we all saw in the earlier play-in game, DR was screaming during free throws and ended up having the opponent shoot only like maybe 60 50 percent 50 but she was she was effective she was effective mm. but she was escorted out of the arena on wednesday by bull security and led to the team bus with her father after nba notified of a severe online threat that was directed at the nine-year-old what do you guys think of this news here i think people are absolutely pathetic and if you're making yes. online threats at a nine-year-old, you seriously need to question your priorities in life. Like, full stop. Am I wrong in any way on that? No, you're not wrong. Dude, you're a professional athlete. You've been through the trenches at visitors, gymnasiums, coliseums, arenas. You should be able to handle a nine-year-old yelling. Not even talking trash. Yelling. But... I'm going to do a controversial take here, guys. Um, Toronto fans, be better, man. Like, you guys don't have a good rep. You guys cheered when Clay got injured, KD got injured, and now you have these threats for a nine-year-old. Come on, be better, Toronto. You're Canadians, for goodness sake. And I don't like to be a stereotypical, <laughs> judgmental kind of guy, but you guys are supposed to be the good people over Americans. I mean, America's number one. Let me get that out there. You guys are supposed to be the nice people. Come on. Uh, I have RJ in my ear right now. RJ just told me we lost all of our Toronto subscribers. I love hockey, for the record. I love hockey. That out there. And maple syrup. Absolutely. Um, so the Wolves defeated the Thunder 120-95 to to secure the eighth seed in the West, which matches them up against, I guess, the Denver Nuggets. Um, I feel bad for OKC here because I felt like they were having such a great Cinderella story without like Chet Holmgren, etc., etc., and they come out short. So now we are at the playoff preview here, and I'm gonna play a little game with you guys just because I don't want to talk about every single series. You guys tell me on whether or not you guys want to or not want to discuss this series based off of you thinking it's basically a done deal, there's nothing to discuss here, or let's talk about it. So the first one is the Milwaukee Bucks, the number one seed, or the or versus the eighth seed, Miami Heat. Do you guys want to discuss this one? What you boys think? I'm good. I'm good. Hell no. All right, we're gonna pass on this one. The Boston Celtics, the two seed versus the seventh seed, Atlanta Hawks. You guys wanna talk about this one? I actually have some stuff I want to say about this series. Okay, let's talk I, about it. So, up front, I, I don't anticipate this series going more than five games. I will say that. I think it's, it's going to be a pretty easy Boston walkover. But here's what I'm curious about. There's been all kinds of stuff swirling around Trey Young. I will give him credit. Miami had shut him down in the past, and he had a very nice game in the plan. I think his performance in this series might end up possibly kind of dictating a little bit of the direction Atlanta is going to go. 
They've got a new coach, one who likes to move the ball, doesn't like necessarily a ball-centric guard in Quinn Snyder. He's been playing Trey off-guard, off-ball more. If Trey bombs in this series, and he's probably going to have Marcus Smart on him, so it's going to be top-tier defending, mm-hmm. you wonder what the narrative turns into around Atlanta in the offseason. If he comes out, plays great, and they just still fall short, then maybe we go back to the obvious moves, which is they've been trying to trade John Collins without exaggerating here for about three to four years. So I fully expect Boston to win the series with no problem. I think they are by far the number two to one, one A, one B team in the East. But that's what makes me curious about the series. That's why I wanted to talk about it. Do you guys think this series could possibly shape Trey Young's future in Atlanta or somewhere else? I think it can. I think if he played like he played last year, he might be in the trade talks. As it was mentioned or reported earlier this week that their GM actually gave the green light for the Trey Young um, trade talks or to incorporate him for any potential great deals. So we'll see because the Atlanta Hawks, they are, as the kids say, mid. They are the definition (laughs) of mid. 41, 41, right, right, was their record this year. Um, Sadiq Bey has been good. Their bench has been good. But they only have one star. And that's Trey Trey Young, who will be guarded by Marcus Smart, as Sammy just put. So I think it'll be a good series just because we see how Atlanta could get. And both of those arenas, uh, Boston and Atlanta's, it could get pretty loud. Um, Trey Young could be a villain at times. I'm projecting. I'm. I'm hoping the series could go at least six. Celtics and six. That's what I'm projecting. Yeah. When when the Atlanta Hawks were facing against the Miami Heat, I thought it was a done deal. I, I thought that the Heat would likely win. I knew that the Hawks had sort of like a puncher's chance at winning this game, and they ended up winning. Um, like as a collective group, I think they had what like over six i think i had like six or seven people in double digits that game and the thing about trey young is that i think his trade value is likely going to stay the same no matter what happens this series in my opinion and the reason being is because during the regular season he just doesn't perform man it's only in the playoffs that he decides to actually try hard it seems like i don't know um i have boston in five that's uh, where I am too. Boston and five. Boston and five. Okay, yeah. so the the next one here, the third seeded Philadelphia 76ers versus the six seeded Brooklyn. Next, do you guys want to talk about this? I'm actually good. Me too. You're taking Philly. Yeah, Philly. I think I think we're all in agreement there. Barring the, f- the Doc Rivers choke job of a lifetime, <laughs> yes, I'm taking Philly. <laughs> <laughs> the fourth seeded Cleveland Cavaliers versus the, the fifth seeded New York Knicks. Do you guys want to talk about this one? Definitely. This is going to be a great series. Break it down, Sammy. Why do you think it's going to be a great series? I just I think these teams are more evenly matched up than you would think based on just perception of both teams. I think the reason for that is because Brunson was absolutely lived up to that contract this year. He was great. Randall really stepped up the final two months of the season. He's officially questionable for game one. So Mm. it does look like he's going to go. So obviously huge news for the Knicks there. I do think Cleveland has more star power in terms of overall depth. And the big thing, and I think the thing that's going to turn this series for them, 
is Randall is usually kind of the catalyst for that offense. I know Brunson's had the great year, but Randall's the catalyst, right? Mm-hmm. Well, the Cavs have one of the most unique defensive defensive players in the in the league in Evan Mobley, right? Who can hang with him out in the perimeter? Who can switch with anybody? Has the ability not to foul but stay in front of anyone? I think he makes the difference in this series. I like the Cavs in seven and what I think will by far be the best series in the Eastern Conference in the first round without hesitation. Yeah, I thought it was going to be a it's going to be a pretty good series. Barring that if Julius Randle will play since he's injured right now. Um, the Cavs for the past few years, they've been known from their front court and they have Jared Allen. They got Evan Mobley and now um, they're going to go against Brunson and Randall. So what are we going to look here? Are we going to look for more of an offensive game or more of a defensive game? Um, and I don't know. It seems cool that now that the the Cavs, they're finally in a playoff series with a LeBron James too. So I, I feel like that's one of the, I guess, subplots of this whole series is can the Cavs actually advance without LeBron James? And the other subplot is, can the Knicks finally win a series? And there could only be one winner, which is going to be cool for the sake of the league. But yeah. I'm going to say Cavs in six, Sammy. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to apologize to, to New York Knicks fans here, but I don't think there's any chance in hell that Julius Randle is going to have a good series against these Cleveland Cavaliers. I think he's going to be sucking gas the entire time trying to keep up with Evan Mobley and also just trying to just pester him off. I mean, what what is he going to do here? He can't drive past Evan Mobley and then see Jared Allen at the rim. Like there's I don't see any good offensive things or offensive tools that he could use against the Cleveland Cavaliers. The New York Knicks hopes is only if Jalen Brunson completely wrecks this series somehow. Mm-hmm. That's the only way I see the Knicks winning. The Cavs are a slight favorite at minus 205 by Caesars. And I think that's appropriately um, set there because I'm going Cleveland in six. I'd say the one other X factor, and I forgot to mention this earlier, Brunson is the main one. I completely agree. The second one would be quickly. Quickly's also got True. a chance because if you're going to score on this Cleveland team, I think it's got to be from the guard spot because that's where defensively, that's the one spot I think they're susceptible. As good as Garland and Mitchell are, clearly they're yeah. more offensive than defensive players. So that's where you're going to take advantage. Yeah, Quickly was actually the only reason why I didn't say Cleveland in five. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we're going to go to the West here. The first seed, Denver Nuggets versus the eighth seed, Minnesota Timberwolves. Do you guys want to talk about this one? I'm good. <laughs> I I agree, although I am hoping for a miracle based on the sides of the bracket and that Gobert somehow redeems himself. But <laughs> let's just say I, I have some doubts about that. So it's not quite it's blue. The, I don't think it's, it's going to happen. It's because you want the Clippers to face the Wolves, right? <laughs> a little bit. That's, yes, a little bit. That's, that's what it is. Okay, we're skipping over that one. We're all picking the Nuggets. Um, the two-seeded uh, Grizzlies versus the seventh-seed Los Angeles Lakers. Do you guys want to talk about this one? Oh, up. gotta talk about this one. Hold up. Gotta talk about this one. Have to. JJ, kick it off, man. What do you think is gonna happen in this one? Drama. It's all oh. drama. With the Lakers, it's always drama. And dare I say it, that a seventh seed is highly favored amongst the majority, I would say, of sports an- analysts. I know ESPN 
has the Grizzlies at 65%. Is that correct, Sammy? Yeah, the the ESPN like formulas have the Grizzlies at 65%, but that's not how it's being picked. Yeah, it's most mostly the Lakers being picked, and that's because you have LeBron James and Anthony Davis. That front court going against Xavier Tillman. And I don't think Xavier Tillman will win against Anthony Davis <laughs> and LeBron James. Um, on the flip side to that, I know that John Morant, you know, he is star-studded material. He is box office, as Stephen A. would say. But I don't know, man. This series is hard for me to pick. I don't know who to cheer for. Uh, I told you guys this. The Memphis Grizzlies, they used to be the darlings of the league. But because of all the drama this year, can you really pick them to even win? Like, are they mentally theirs? My first question for you two. Do you guys think that they could handle the playoff pressure and beat the Lakers? I think they could handle playoff pressure only because they've at least won a series or two together before. Mm-hmm. But what I don't think is being talked about enough, I know it's been discussed in some circles. I know Jaron Jackson is great. I know he's a defensive player of the year candidate. You know what he does a lot? Fouls. Fouls, Fouls. a lot. <laughs> and right now, Brandon Clark is out. Steven Adams is out. That leaves Xavier Tillman. You know how I think game one, two, and maybe three is going to start? With a whole lot of Anthony Davis pounding on Jaron Jackson inside and LeBron driving into him to try to get him in foul trouble. Will he have the maturity to handle it and understand how to play defense without fouling? Mm -hmm. I don't know if he does. And that, to me, might be the difference in this series. That's one big question. The other one that I think everyone has discussed is who on the Lakers is guarding jaw and... I would respond to that with the same question answer most of the league has is you don't really have anyone who can guard Jaw. He's too unique a player. So you just try to, you know, use a team platoon method to control him as much as possible. And most likely it's not going to work. So you shut down everyone else if you can. But I think that's a problem here. I think the, the Grizzlies lack of size might really hurt them in this series if Jackson is not disciplined enough to stay on the floor for 35 minutes a game. And in his career, he tends to average high 20s because he does foul so much. So... That, to me, might be the X factor in this whole series. So that's where I'm seeing it. June, what do you see? Uh, you know, Sammy, I'm, I'm in agreement with you. The other part of this that um, I'd like to mention is that the Lakers, they get the benefit of the whistle. They've been getting the benefit of the whistle all year. I think they lead the league in getting fouls and getting yes. to the line. Correct. So yeah. that in combination with Jaron Jackson just hacking everyone, I don't know, man. I don't I don't really see the Grizzlies winning a seven game series. If this was still the play in, I would say that the Grizzlies have a chance if it was like one game elimination. But seven, seven games, man. I think I got to go Lakers here. I'm going to go Lakers. Oh, I'm, I think it might go all the way, though. Lakers in seven. I think I'm so, going Lakers in seven. Sammy, so what you think? Lakers winning in Memphis game seven. That's where you're going. I, that's where I'm going. I think I'm with you. And. The only other caveat that I forgot to mention is if D'Angelo Russell plays anywhere near as poorly as he did against Minnesota, that might flip the series because he was horrendous unless Shooter shows up. But otherwise, I'm in agreement with you. I'm going to take Lakers in seven here. I'll say Lakers in seven. For the clinic fans, we got to look out for the subplots. Got to look at Dylan Brooks going against Austin Reeves. All the drama. I want want LeBron talking smack to Bane again because you know that infamous clip of going back and forth. 
And then uh, Anthony Davis with Jared Jackson Jr. Yeah. Oh, man, um, I can't wait. Side prediction, Dylan Brooks gets ejected from at least one game in this series. I'm going to put that out there now. <laughs> Call it now. Take it to the book. Uh John John just texted me right now. He has Lakers in three. Um, no, no, no. I thought he said Grizzlies in four. <laughs> Grizzlies in four. <laughs> We're gonna go to the next game here. This might be the best the best series. It's gonna be the three seeded Sacramento Kings who are trying to light the beam against the six seeded Golden State Warriors, who's getting Andrew Wiggins back. Do you guys want to talk about this one? Do we need to talk about this one? I already know who you're both going to oh, pick. Oh, man. Oh, <laughs> yeah, man. We're, talk, we're talking about this. Let's one. go, June. Kick it off. Tell, tell, <laughs> tell us what you think of this series. These are your two favorite teams. Let's go. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, for context here, I'm a Golden State Warrior fan. I just recently moved to Sacramento. Sacramento fans, regardless of what Reddit may say, it's been a lot of fun this year. A lot of fun. The light the beam thing, it's a goofy gimmick that I'm absolutely here for. I wanted to cheer for the Sacramento Kings this year, but just not against my Warriors. And it just so happens to be they're matched up against each other. I'm sorry, Kings fans. I am sorry, but I believe the Warriors have this. I know that their road record is absolutely horrendous this season. But when playoff time comes, I know that these veterans know how to win playoff series. I know that Kerr knows how to adjust for an extremely offensive team. It's just that the Warriors need to focus enough to put defensive stuff together. And having Wiggins back, GP2 is like slowly getting into the fold again. These are all positive signs for the Warriors defense to take it to the next level for the playoffs. So I'm going Warriors in six. What do you guys think? Sammy, go go next because I want to hear your take. So I'm I'm with you about one thing. I I really wanted to see the Kings play somebody else in in round one. I was kind of hoping to watch them play the Lakers just because there would be a little bit of like yeah you know symmetry there because I believe that's who they played the last time they made the playoffs and that would have been an interesting series. This will still be very interesting too. Uh, I do think in the end the Warriors experience the fact that their defense seems to like it's going to get lined up just in time is going to help Sacramento's lack of defense. I know they're not the worst team in the league, but clearly defense is not their strength. I think cost them here, particularly in the perimeter. The main question I have about the Warriors is going to be this as good as Looney is defensively. I think Sabonis is that unique kind of big that might stretch him beyond his natural ability of just staying, you know, home in the paint, being positionally sound. Sabonis is just such a good distributor and rebounder that I wonder if that means we're going to see a lot more Draymond at the five in this series. And if we do, uh, is Sabonis able to take advantage size-wise? I don't know if he has the experience to do that yet. So I think Sacramento is going to be absolutely electric in game one and two. I'm excited just to see the, how the fans react there. But overall, I, I am with you guys. I think they'll fight hard. I think this will be a very competitive series, but I do like the Warriors in six as well here. So that's the route I'm going to go to. Okay, good take. Uh, Sacramento Kings, you know, if this was any other team, I would expect that your arena would be filled with your fans, Kings fans. But the fact that, how, how is it this, guys? Like the first time that you're in the playoffs, like two decades, almost two decades ago, where you were 
in the playoffs, right? And then now you get to finally have a new arena. Your fans are coming back in, and you're playing your neighbor, the Golden State Warriors, who have hardcore fans who are probably going to fill. It's it's projected to be forty percent, at least forty percent, Golden State fans.、Oh. So that sucks. Like you could have played the Nuggets, and it would be filled with Grizzly fans. You could have played the Lakers. You know, would have been filled with Grizz,、uh, Kings fans. But unfortunately, you played the Warriors. The one stat, gentlemen, that I'm gonna go a、uh, bye bye, that I'm gonna follow,、uh, putting my money on the Warriors is the trio. With Clay,、uh, Steph, and Draymond, they are almost undefeated when they have started the whole series. Okay. Yeah.、Uh, Steve Kerr is、uh, for the past, I want to say, seven years undefeated in the Western Conference. So, June, I know you brought up the road record for the Warriors, and some people are counting them out because of that. I'm. My thing is, they they oh, the last stat, they've won a game away in every consecutive series, and that's the one stat that I'm going by that they'll win in at least six in six in six in six not at least yeah in six sorry Sammy、uh, just because me and JJ can't do this to ourselves, I'm gonna ask you what would it look like. If the king, if the Kings were to, I guess upset the Warriors because the Warriors are actually favored by Caesars minus two sixty five. What would it, what would that even look like? To me, that is a lot of pace in the series. I think that's Fox and Sabonis just running the entire time. I think it's Keegan Murray having an amazing first round series defensively and、mm-hmm. just playing on the wing as. Just beyond his ears, and I just think that means that someone, Clay or Steph, shot unexpectedly poorly relative to the defensive rating that the Kings had. I think it's a combination of those things. But to me, if Sacramento is going to win this, it's not going to be slowing it, slowing it down because it's the playoffs. It's going to be playing the way they're successful, which is high tempo, lots of pace, and just pushing an older Warriors team and using their athleticism to their advantage. That's how they won the series. Yeah, this this series will be very interesting. This is also a low key Harrison Barnes and Mike Brown revenge series. <laughs> so we'll see what happens there. The last one we have the Phoenix Suns, who are at the four seed, are facing off Sammy's Los Angeles Clippers. Do you guys want to talk about this one? The Kawhi said it all. We, we gotta talk about this one, but I'll let you guys kick it off here. I'm just gonna, just gonna point out that the Suns are considered heavier favorites over the Clippers than the Nuggets are over the Wolves. With that, I'm gonna let you lead it off. Dude, call me crazy, guys, but I think the Clippers could actually win and compete. Who's gonna stop Kawhi? Kawhi is gonna guard KD. CP3 is a shell of himself, and then that leaves Booker. But the beauty of the Clippers is that Tyloo knows how to game plan, and he's just gonna throw a crazy amount of coverages against Booker, CP3, and KD. So on a defensive front, I feel that the Clippers are pretty good, and what we've seen from the Suns is that they're 
bench and their depth is really, really weak. And I would say that's the Clippers' strength. So if Ty Lue could actually hone down a good rotation, which I know you've had remarks about, Sammy, I think they could pull it off, man. I know KD and CP3 and Booker and Aiden are, you know, on paper strong and there a lot of people are even picking them to win the West, but I don't know, man. I'm, I'm if I had to put money on it, I think the Clippers are gonna do it. Wow. All right. Jun, what do you think before Sammy goes? Oh man, Sammy, dude, I I love you, man. No, pick who you I, think is gonna win. I, I love pick who you. you think is gonna win. Sammy, I just want to say I I do love you. <laughs> I'm not trying to hurt your feelings here, but what I've seen from the Phoenix Suns and how well oiled they look in only eight games together, like with Kevin Durant, who literally breaks the game. That's a dude that you make on NBA 2K when you literally have like 500 bucks to spend on VC and you just get every single good stat. That's exactly what KD is. And he's going to be, I think, relatively healthy for this series, right? He's projected to be... Should be. And the Clippers, without Paul George, if they had Paul George, I would say, okay, there's like not that big of a size difference here. And there's a more people that you could throw at Kevin Durant, but I just don't know how the Clippers are going to stop all these offensive weapons. I don't know. I'm I'm picking Suns to win in six, Sammy. That's a respectable pick. I uh, I don't fault you for that. Now, see, Kawhi laughs at you though. And, <laughs> and Sammy, so, Sammy just gave me the bird. Actually, everyone. <laughs> no, no, I was just saying I want some chicken. Um, so, so obviously, I understand why the Suns are so heavily favored. Uh, PG is no longer wearing a brace. He is shooting at practice. And what we're hearing about him is varying completely. Now, the Clippers training staff tends to be very conservative. So if I had to guess right now, if he came back at all for the series, it's in a game six or seven, most likely. So that being said, curious to see what the Clippers are going to open with in terms of the starting lineup. I can tell you Marcus Morris won't be starting. I know there's rumors that he's going to be back in the rotation. There was an image at practice recently where Covington was actually seen in a starter's jersey. And I'm not mad at that. And I, I think what they're going to do, I think here's the reason for that. Obviously, Covington's not necessarily a lockdown defender, but he's bigger than a lot of the bench players that tend to be like the 6 7 8 guys. Because there you're looking at Norman Powell, you're looking at Eric Gordon, a lot of guards with a lot of versatility, but no one with the size to handle KD. So that being said, I'm wondering if what they're going to do is roll Covington out there with Kawhi and Zoo and that group, just see if they can contain, let's say, the starters. And then as JJ mentioned, the Suns bench is very weak. And I know we talk about the playoffs, you're looking at a 7-8 man rotation. I respect that. This is also a very old Phoenix team. And Chris Paul has shown he gets hurt in the playoffs pretty much every year. I'm wondering if what Lou might try to do is when those guys are off the floor, if it's five minutes, 10 minutes, whatever, if he's going to put Powell out, Gordon out, all the guards with all that speed and all that versatility and try to just kind of blitz them and get the points out of the bench when he can and try to create a bench advantage because the Clippers one advantage in the series is going to be their depth. Kawhi in the playoffs is also an absolute robot. So when he's healthy and playing, he tends to put up 35 to 40 a game statistically going back to san antonio 
So is it a bit of a long shot? Yeah, I get it. I mean, you're 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 without a top 15 to 20 player in the league, depending on how you define PG. I do think the Clippers have a slight advantage in terms of game planning at coach. Ooh, a slight advantage. I'm not saying it's huge. Yeah. And as good as Katie is, I think at least at the top, the Clippers have the start of match. So the last thing I'll say is the other X factor in the series is the pleasant surprise that has been Russell Westbrook as a Clipper. He has been far better than I expected. I will give him his credit. And you know where he comes in. You know where he comes in handy, though, is when your number two guy goes out and you need more scoring punch. And actually, the Clippers did not fall off a cliff when George went out because he's actually been good. He picked up the scoring slack. He started putting up 20 a game and didn't do it in a I'm going to start launching threes and mid-range jumpers kind of way. He played into his strength. And let me throw out a question to you guys before I make my prediction here. Right now, this moment in time, 2023, who's the better point guard? Chris Paul or Russell Westbrook? Oh, no, you're... I'm just, no, this is an honest question. I'm not saying this rhetorically. Oh, I want to know what you guys think. Okay, Shannon Sharp. Okay. No, no, no. I'm not talking about historically. I'm talking okay. about right now, oh, based on what you've seen the last month and a half, two months. If if I'm starting a team now, and I had one of these two players for a playoff run where you're playing every other day. Oh man, I think it's pretty close. But I okay. think I'm still going with CP. Okay. I think I'm still going with Chris Paul. And the reason being is because, not because Chris Paul's a better scorer, because he's not, but I feel like he knows pace. He knows how to get other players involved. I He doesn't have to be a superstar. Okay. And I, th- I feel like the mentals would worry me a lot more with Russell Westbrook than they would with CP. JJ, what, what do you think? Those are my thoughts exactly. What I'm thinking is that who's surrounding the, these point guards? That's a great point. That because is a great point. With Chris Paul, he doesn't need to depend on scoring for himself because he depends on KD, Booker, and Aiden. And he all he has to do is run the offense. And True. he's crafty enough to... or. He's dirty enough to know what to do on defense <laughs> where he doesn't need to exert that much defense. But Russell Westbrook has been tearing it up. He has more athletic prowess. Um, he's he's shown within the past few weeks that he could score 35. So I, yeah. I guess what I'm basically saying is that they're close and uh, ironically that they match. The they teams are teams correctly, right? Yeah. Yeah. That, you're you're right, Sammy. Like Westbrook has been good lately. He's been good, especially on the Clippers. Yeah, so and, I think yeah. I think that's a great way to put it. If you flip them, I think they would both be worse on the teams they're currently on. Uh, yes. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. That, that's Absolutely. a good way to put it. So is it a long shot? Yeah. Am I still picking the Clippers? Absolutely. We're going we're going Clippers to. in seven. I want you to Photoshop last year where Luca looked up at Booker with that big smile on his face. Put Kawhi's face in there, just looking at Booker like a robot. <laughs> just looking at him like a target. I like it with We're laser clippers with, and with laser eyes. Yes, right. and and that's how we're rolling. I'm gonna stay loyal here. Let's go with that. Clippers and seven. I like it. So that's basically that ends our uh, our playoff preview. I want to talk about one thing before we go. 
We're going to talk about the Blazers and Damian Lillard because it looks like Jason Quick from The Athletic, he said about the only clarity in the Blazers' path forward is this. The Blazers will likely trade their lottery pick unless they land the number one pick, which they only have a 10.5% chance, which would give them the right to draft or many are calling a generational star in the French big man Victor Wembenyama. Lillard all but etched in stone the trade the pick path Sunday when he said he did not want the Blazers to draft another young player. This is the direct quote from Damian Lillard about adding another young star. He said, I'm not interested in that. It's not a secret. I want a chance to go for it. And if the route is to draft young, then that's not my route. Dame Lillard has been very loyal to the Portland Trail Blazers. Does this kind of show kind of like a little weakness in the armor here? What do you guys think? Feels like it. Feels like this is finally him realizing that he's not going to win in Portland. And if he really does want to win, he has to put the pressure on him. It almost feels like this is the last year. And if... I mean, normally superstars of this caliber aren't traded at a trade deadline, but Kevin Durant just got traded last trade deadline. So true. Don't if, count on anything, right? Yeah, I think <laughs> if they, assuming they don't win the draft, because they're not likely to, they can try to trade that pick. If you're going to land a star, that pretty much means from a cap perspective, Anthony Simons or Nurkicer both have to go the other way. There's no other choice based on how their cap is lined up to get that guy. So I'm looking at it like, even if someone becomes available, what's it going to do to this team? Unless it was like a, a Durant caliber player, which obviously isn't going to come yeah. across. So based on what I'm seeing there, I think this is probably Lillard's last year in Portland because I don't see this team rising higher than six or five next year, barring an, a massive trade that just no one sees coming. Your thoughts? This is why we talked about this you know, when you sign that contract, that if you sign down that paper, man, you, you better know what you're getting into. Right. You're into issues. You've been in this club for how many years? You just signed that contract extension. And that last year on that contract extension, fellas, 63 million. He's in the 60 yep. million figure, which is insane. And one, who who's going to trade? I, I know he's a super superstar but I'm sure someone's going to trade for him but he wants to be traded to a champion contender and I don't know if a champion contender could give up that many pieces for him at that price mark I've heard and I've read that the Heat would be a suitor for Dame which makes sense because of Pat Riley and I wouldn't mind that but what it comes down to is I wish Dame was more aggressive about going to a team that wants to win, man. Yep. Like lo loyalty is a great thing, but this is a prime example where loyalty is overrated because if the team is cheap and they don't surround you with good players, how does it benefit your legacy? And that's what basketball is all about. That's why we love the game the legacies I mean I would like to see Dame Lillard succeed in in Portland but I don't think it's in the cards they don't have the right 
Like, they don't have the right pieces to make maneuvers that'll make sense for them to be a championship team. Like, let's say that they trade away Anthony Simons and somehow get back like a Jalen Brown. Does that even make them favorites in the West? Not even close. I Not think, even and close. I, and I, I love Jalen Brown, but I think a Damian Lillard, Jalen Brown, Shaden Sharp team is a sixth seed, maybe? Yeah, and, and like Jeremy Grant, I guess. But it's like even those pieces together, it, it doesn't say championship to me. So I don't know what Damian Lillard is really expecting here. The only thing, like if he really wants to, a chance to go for it, he's got to go to another team. That's it. And who knows? Maybe it'll be a team that has a really high draft pick this upcoming lottery. Right. And the and the Blazers see a pick there that they really like. Can I throw one out to you really quick? And I know we're running a little low on time here. Don't say the Lakers, dude. No, 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 no. <laughs> what do you think? This one will sound out of left field. Say the Nuggets get knocked out in the second round. Ooh. Mm-hmm. You have some contracts to work with there. Yeah. Jamal Murray and pick a couple other pieces plus picks for Dame. With a Dang. passing big okay. like Jokic. Who says no? Let's see. I love that trade for both sides. Honestly, like if the Nuggets are really like, we got to open this window and go for it now. You tell me who said let, let's uh, how old is Jamal Murray? How old's Jamal? He's not that old, right? Uh, no, he's, he's got to be not. like 24, 25. He is. Let me let me tell you here. He's 26. Uh, just turned 26 in February. Mm. So he's much younger. So I also am almost positive the Nuggets have traded a pick here and there, but not many. And right now, the numbers don't quite work, but the Nuggets could get there pretty easily uh, to make the numbers work. I like that. So, I like the so Nuggets. If, yeah, see, that that's the kind of deal where... So Jamal Murray makes 31 right now. Day makes 42. So Murray and... Let's just take whoever. Just to make the numbers work. KCP? Yeah. Throw those across. That trade works. You you fill in the picks as you want. So I honestly think both sides say yes, especially if Damien is like not happy in Portland. Yeah, and not and happy with what's going let, on. And let me propose another one for you guys. Please shoot. Because there's a lot of talk that Jalen Brown will not sign that contract extension mm. because there's a lot of complication, oh. especially if he doesn't make All NBA. Because you know, with the All NBA, you get that twenty percent increase. Right. Right. Would you trade Jalen Brown and Dame straight up? Because the Celtics might need to trade Jalen Brown so they don't lose him for nothing. So, if I'm Portland, I'm probably asking for like a pick or two. Mm -hmm. It's purely on star power, but if you're the Blazers, I mean, you're getting a 25, 26 year old all defensive player. Two-way player, yeah. Two-way guy, like... Yeah, I don't know what what else you're possibly asking for in that scenario. You know, you'd probably have to throw in a couple contracts to make it work, but they've got plenty. I mean, as long as they're able to keep Anthony Simons, you already have like the next point guard to come up anyway. So that would make a lot of sense too, man. This upcoming offseason for the Blazers is definitely going to be an interesting one. But boys, we that's all we have for tonight. Um, I want to thank you too for being on. JJ, thanks for being on, man. Thanks, everyone. Go Warriors. Let's go, baby. Sammy, thanks for being on, man. 
Good to be back, man. Excited for playoff weekend and to talk about the shocking Clipper victory in game one on Sunday in, in Phoenix, baby. Let's let's hit it back on Monday. And of course, shout out to John. Shout out to our video producer, RJ. Check out our YouTube channel. Remember to rate, subscribe, and review. Like us on our Facebook group page, The Clinic All NBA Podcast, and follow us on Twitter at Clinic All NBA. I'm Rosa Panta. This is Clinic All NBA Podcast. Come find us wherever you get your podcasts. Kiki.